Amen to that. Amen. I want to give a shout out to the people who live stream uh, this service. Um, some of our friends last week uh, in the Harrisburg area uh, watched the, uh, they were in their own church for Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. They, they uh, joined us online for the, I guess you'd call it the rebroadcast. Anyway, uh, they were very impressed with the clear presentation by way of uh, the tech crew. So hats off to the tech crew. Thank you. And uh, the folks who participated in the potluck last Sunday, it was great to be able to um, be together, uh, connect some names and faces, and uh, good lunch. So for uh, all of you who could participate in that, thanks for coming. That was a great event for me, and we enjoyed ourselves immensely. The starting point for our having a vital walk with God is not about us, but it's about God, who God is and, and how he operates in his person and, and in his character. It's not information about God we need, it's God we need. <laughs> That's why the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah 9, when he talked about boasting, don't boast about your money, uh, don't boast about um, material things, in other words, but boast that you know and understand me. And then the prophet goes on to actually list things that are true about the person and character of God. In other words, know and understand that I'm a God who operates with loving kindness and with uh, justice, and with, uh, basically, he refers to loving kindness. Loving kindness is a, uh, is a word in Hebrew that's the word chesed. It means that God is loyal to what he says. He's loyal to what he's promised. When we say in, in uh, culture that a man's word is his bond, uh, that, I think that that's where it could have come from, that whatever God says is exactly what he's going to do and the way things are going to be. Uh, last week we looked at, at um, Moses' uh, encounter at the burning bush and talked about God's clock. Uh, God had Moses have 40 years experience in Egypt to learn management and government and public policy. He had 40 years in the wilderness uh, taking care of sheep because the big difference between being a shepherd or being a pharaoh. And he, he needed to understand what a shepherd is if he was gonna care for God's people. And then he had 40 years in the wilderness wandering to carry out so God connected him to the people and experiences and places he needed to have and um, grew his life and then he served the Lord for 40 years uh, in, in serving the exodus of God's people from slavery uh, into freedom. Now today we're going to look at God's house as to where God lives and uh, we deal with the subject of belonging. I believe that Moses was a lonely man Named his son Gershom, means I'm a stranger in a strange land. So every time he calls Gershom, he's saying, reminding himself, I'm a stranger in a strange land. That's, 
that's probably not a good thing <laughs> to be reminded of for, for all those years. So uh, we, we, we named our sons names that were positive names to the glory of God. And uh, when we call them, we think of, of their purpose in life and the, and the life that God has given us as a family. So we're going to talk about belonging, about being lonely and isolated and um, what it is to meaningfully collect, uh, connect with, with God. So the question is, where, where does God live? You know, we've had the scripture reading. Moses was taking care of sheep. He goes to the backside of the desert. And uh, that was somewhere between um, Egypt and Midian. And uh, he's taking care of sheep. The text says that an angel appeared to him, flame of fire in a bush. The bush is burning, but it wasn't burned up. So you got a you got a bush burning, but it's still there. It's like an eternal bush, just going on in flames, but not not being consumed. Now it's obvious that Moses did not go where he went, uh, seeking the Lord. He was not on some kind of spiritual retreat. Fact is, he was just doing his job, and he was carrying out the care that Jethro wanted uh, for his sheep. So in the course of living, Moses discovered where God lived. And the fact is that God can only be found where you live. Because you can't, and I can't, we can't be everywhere. We can only be where we are. So if we're going to find the Lord, we'll have to be found where we are. Now, every story I told last week about my experience of God's incredible timing in my own life, um, I had nothing to do with. I didn't make any of those things happen. I was just going about my work, and bam, there, there it was, uh, set before me. Uh, all of those stories, all of those experiences were in the hand of God's timing. I had, I had nothing to do with that. So the question is, um, how, do you, how do you get to where you need to be ultimately? And when I started thinking along those lines, it reminded me of Justice Clarence Thomas on the Supreme Court. Uh, Justice Thomas was interviewed one day uh, by some university students, and he said, uh, Justice Thomas, uh, uh, how did how is it that you uh, ever ended up on the Supreme Court? Did you did you ever think that you know you were going to be a justice on the Supreme Court? And he said, um, my grandfather taught me that the way you live life is you do well what's in front of you, and and where you belong you will find your way. But the way you find your way is by doing well what's in front of you. There's another way of saying we need to live where we live. We need to connect, settle down, absorb uh, what it is that's going on around us. So God can only be found where we are. We can't experience reality where we're not. 
God can only be found where we live. Now, in the 40 years Moses was taking care of sheep, I wonder how many times he came to this same place. Um, Those of you who work outside or you have some choice of where you do things, you will know that there are favorite spots. When I was a child, when I was born, um, I actually have, have three mothers and I have three fathers. Um, when I was born, I had a sister 22, a sister almost 21, who's now 96, and a brother 18, and then me. So I say, I have three mothers. I had my mother mother, then I had Mary Jane. <laughs> but I still have sis. She's 96 years old. So three mothers now. My sister's married, so I had three fathers. I had my father, father. Then I had Ray, the farmer in York Springs. And I had Herm, would be Sissa's husband. He's passed away. So three fathers, uh, three mothers. How, how can you fail? With all, that, <laughs> with all that care. Now, my brother-in-law, Ray, on the farm in York Springs, uh, he was raised on a farm. He had his own farm, but he was raised on a farm. And uh, as a child, we'd go there uh, like every weekend to the farm. And there was a place that was called Behind the Woods. There was a woods, and then there were fields, and there was this road through the woods. And I remember driving the old gray Ford tractor through the woods as a child and going behind the woods. Artie, go behind the woods and you'll see where we're at. So you go behind the woods and you'd see they're cutting trees or whatever. And, and then you, that was a favorite spot. I love to go there. I love to think about it. I love to just reflect on favorite spot. Uh, when I was hauling water for 17 years, there were places I liked to load. Like I like to load water in Millersburg because you can load in 10 to 12 minutes. The water comes into the trailer 6,200 gallons so fast the truck's rocking. It's just a great place to load. Across the roads of Crick, people are fishing, families are playing. I just love to go to Millersburg. I think Moses worked outside all the time. I think he had his favorite spots. And I think he probably was to this place many, many, many times. However, Moses saw a burning bush, but the Lord may manifest his presence any way he chooses to. Moses saw the burning bush. We've all heard about the still small voice of God. We've heard of the fiery pillar leading God's people or the cloud that led the people. We know Isaiah had an experience with God in the temple in Isaiah 6. I wonder how many times Isaiah had been to the same place and did the things that were before him, but that time was different. And Moses had a different experience here at the burning bush. Now when it comes to you, do you ever think of God meeting you in your favorite spots? 
I'm saying that I've no necessary evidence for this, but he worked outside my hunches. He went to a lot of the same places to do his things. And do you ever think of God meeting you in your favorite spots? For example, your favorite spot might be, well, it may not be a place. It might be music and of God meeting you in music. I know a lady who was really depressed, and when she heard the song, I will pour water on him who is thirsty. I will pour floods upon the dry ground. Her depression left. That was it. It was like through a switch. In the summer of 2008, I went to, him and I went to a Marty Stewart concert at Schaefer's Town Volunteer Fire Company, a little town east of the Harrisburg area, out kind of in the sticks. And um, uh, I was kind of wrestling with some decisions. And I heard two songs in that concert that helped me see what I needed to do. The first one was Satisfied Mind. You're all tech people, so you can check out Satisfied Mind on the computer. But my inner life and my outer life had to line up. And I had some choices to make about how that was going to work itself out. And then the unseen hand was, you know, who's guiding my life? And these things came together, and I believe that God spoke to me in music. So my favorite spot that day wasn't a literal bush. My favorite spot was was music. Uh, this last week I rooted through some old Merle Haggard music, and uh, I don't know when he wrote wrote that song, but Jesus take me take us through. Jesus take us through. And the way he described what was going on in culture when he wrote that song, I thought he 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 could have written that yesterday. It's just unbelievable. But the solution was not the analysis of what's going on. The solution is Jesus is the one who takes us through this stuff. So God may meet you in your favorite spot of music with a message to give direction uh, to the course of your life. Or he may meet us in relationships. Maybe relationships um, are our favorite place to go, our favorite spot. Um, this last week, uh, I thought through relationships that, that served for me as like burning bush events. You know, the course of Moses' life was changed at the burning bush. There's no, no doubt about it. We may not understand all that went on, but the thing which we remember him most for is his involvement in the Exodus event and his dealings with Pharaoh and, and what he did in Egypt. So it's a life-changing thing. So I was looking for my burning bushes back over my life as an illustration of how God works in our lives. Uh, I went to high school with Dave Schroeder. Now, so you don't sit there and try and figure out who Dave is. Dave, uh, for many years, was president of Nyack College. And uh, he and I went to high school together. And on May 11th, 1963, he pointed me to Christ as my personal savior. My life was changed. It was a burning bush event uh, in, in my life. 
on the 50th anniversary of my spiritual birthday, I was living in, in the area, and I went, I went to the house where this all happened. And uh, a business has purchased the house. So, so I knocked on the door and asked if, I said, uh, I had a life-changing experience in this house, and it would mean a lot to me if I could go inside and look at it. Well, it's a business now, and we've reordered. That's okay. You just, if, if it's okay, I'd like to come in. So I went in and um, found the, the, the room, you know, where this all took place, and it, it brought back memories. Now, uh, that was a burning bush event in my life. I didn't plan to do that. Uh, we went and visited a college that day to see if we wanted to be engineers. And uh, anyway, the, re the rest is history. The, the bush was there. Well, uh, if I knew David, I knew his dad because I was to their house all the time. Mr. Schroeder was the CEO of Christian Publications in Camp Hill. And um, I had only been a Christian like a year. And I was getting ready to go off to Nyack College. And pastor, our pastor, Reverend Davey, asked if I would speak on the last Sunday night we were in town before we left for college. I was thoroughly intimidated. This is terrible. Oh, what am I going to do? Woo! So I say, there are, there are ministers all through this congregation, you know, like Reverend DeLoss Holmes worked at Christian Publications as some vice president of something, and, and there was this guy and this guy and this guy, and here, here I am. I'm not, I've been a Christian a year. I still had to look at the index in my Bible to find the books, you know, where, where there's a scripture reading. And he said, he said this. Now, he said, Artie, there will always be people in the congregation who know more about what you're talking about than you do. So you just go ahead and preach. <laughs> now, how that worked itself out is I, I did. I, I did what I was asked to do. But his advice helped me because years later, I was preaching to a congregation where there were people in the congregation who had been in prison for their faith in another country. And when I, when I talked about pain or suffering or, or abuse or any, anything that was, was uh, negative, afflicted on, on God's people, I knew there were people in that congregation who knew way more about that and I did. But I did what I did. And I acknowledged many of you know way more about suffering for Christ than I do. But you just go ahead. So Mr. Schroeder's conversation with me was a burning bush event that affected my life from that point on about what I would do with my life. Well, I didn't know this when, when I was a teenager, but Mr. Schroeder had a guest in his home one day, and uh, his, his name was uh, Dr. Bernard King. Dr. King, I later figured out, was the treasurer of the Christian Missionary Alliance, and he was going to be a guest speaker in our church, and so he stayed with Mr. Schroeder. Now, Dr. King had been an engineer. I was interested in being an engineer. And, and then he got into the ministry. So I said to Dr. King, um, how will I know what God wants me to do? You were an engineer, now you're a pastor. I want to be an engineer. How will I know what God wants me to do? So he said to me, Artie, 
uh, Psalm 32, 8. Uh, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye upon you. Now, that's exactly what happened. That was a scripture verse. I could believe it. I could trust God to guide my life. Let me know what to do. I don't need to know way ahead of time what to do. I just need to know what to do when I need to do it. And God has provided direction for my life, Psalm 32, 8. It's a burning bush event for me. It gave me confidence to move ahead. Now, years later, I'm a pastor, I'm an annual council, and uh, who shows up at annual council but Dr. Bernard King? And you know what we talked about? <laughs> we talked about conversation we had years before and the advice he gave me and how God worked it out. It's a burning bush event for me. So, your favorite place might be music. Your favorite spot might be relationships. Your favorite spot might even be certain traditional things like Christmas or Easter or Lent or Thanksgiving. One Christmas, this is a burning bush event for uh, someone else. Uh, when our son uh, was two, first son was two, and we were in Oregon, uh, Pam wrote a book for Advent so we could have family devotion. She wrote an Advent booklet. And uh, we made these available to our church. And after Christmas, this Nebraska farmer came to me and said, all, he, and his background was Alliance. He had been a farmer in Nebraska. Things went bad. He ended up in Oregon. Like There was a great group of people from Nebraska in Oregon when we got there. They'd have a picnic every summer out at the fairgrounds. It was just oodles of them. Anyway, this guy said, all my life, pastors have told me have family devotions, but nobody ever told me how to do it. So he said, booklet Pam wrote, I gathered my grandchildren together for the first time in my life. We had family devotions. That was a burning bush event for that Nebraska farmer. That booklet model as to what to do and how to do it. Bam, it changed his life. It was a burning bush event in the life of that guy. Now, it's interesting that the Lord met Moses in a land that he called a strange land. He called himself a stranger. I believe that Moses thought his religion was part of the past. There's evidence later in the book that would lead me to say more about that, but I'll deal with that down the road. I think he forgot about his past. I think he had been told of, of uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but I believe spiritually he had forgotten his past. He had forgotten his heritage. And uh, this burning bush event after he had called his son Gershom, I'm a stranger in a strange land, awakened him to his heritage and, and to his past.
it's amazing that many believers feel the same way. They feel like God is distant or that their faith was something of the past, that they've moved on to other things or something like that. However, the Apostle Paul said in uh, Acts 17, when he was given the speech at Mars Hill, he said that God is not far from us. He's not far from us. He's not far from us. In Romans 10, the Apostle Paul talked about that with the confession of the mouth and belief in the heart, salvation comes to us. It's that close. So God is not some distant person. He's where we are. Now every sermon should have three things. It should have something to learn and understand. And I can't talk for you, but I can talk for myself. I know that in God's own time, he connected Moses with himself, and he connects me with himself. And that connecting goes on and on and on and on. I don't believe Moses forgot about the burning bush any more than I forgot about the day Dave Schroeder pointed me to Jesus or the things his dad told me about doing what's in front of me or the advice that Dr. King gave me from Psalm 32. These, these things are real to me. They're just as real as the burning bush uh, in Moses' life. For the rest of his life, he was connected to one who would guide his life can't speak for you, but I can speak for myself. That's something I've learned from this. Now, every sermon should have something to believe, and that I believe that I belong where I am, and that God is with me. And when what I'm to accomplish where I am is accomplished, God will move me on to what's next. There are two songs that you're familiar with, I'm sure. This is my father's world, and the other one is, this world is not my home. They are both true. This is my father's world. He sang about it, and what it shows me about creation and the character of God. This is my father's world, but at the same time, this is not my ultimate home. And when I've accomplished what God wants me to accomplish here, he will move me on to a home he's prepared for me. So I believe that God is with me, and I am with him, and that will never change. Now, every sermon should have something to do. And what I do, and what I'd suggest you do, is pray for eyes to see. Pray for eyes to see. Uh, you've probably heard the song, Open My Eyes, Lord. Uh, open the eyes of my heart. And open my eyes, I want to see Jesus. Open the eyes also of my heart. I pray for eyes to see and understand what I'm, what I'm looking at and understand what I'm experiencing. I pray the same thing uh, for my friends who are looking for new jobs or career change or an upgrade or something like that. And I tell them, tell them all the same thing. Just because I tell people the same thing doesn't mean I'm insincere or I'm just giving them some formula or something. But I say, you know, your father in 
heaven loves you and he will give you what's best for you as you seek him. And then I pray that you'll have eyes to see and understand what he has done for you. Uh, years ago, I got some emails from, from two, or no, it was on Facebook, from two different um, gals. One was like 50-something, and one was like 30. And they both said the same thing. And, and so when I read what they said, I thought, I need to give them a talking to, straighten them out on some things, which is good, because they needed straightened out. They both said the same thing. I can't believe that the Lord has given me this. And they were just so tickled pink over their, over their job. I can't believe the Lord's. And so what I told them was this in writing. I said, listen, your Father in heaven loves you. And he wants to give you good things. And um, you can believe that he gave it to you because he loves you and he gives you good things. And now I pray that you'd have eyes to see his goodness in what he's given you. And so when God gives us good things, we rejoice in his presence. We don't say, I can't believe it happened. Yeah, well, it happened. So embrace it and enjoy it and thank God for it. And I pray for eyes to see um, what things are going on and what they, what they mean to me. The other part of the do is, and I loved, I loved giving homework. Um, boy, I'll tell you, when you get a, you get a congregation uh, punctuated by doctors and lawyers and teachers. It's just great for me to give them homework. <laughs> I love it. And I remember, <laughs> I remember assigning, uh, I think I preached on the book of Ruth. Uh, I signed the reading of the book of Ruth for the next week. And then I said, hey, we're going to have a test. You know, who read the book of Ruth? Anyway, uh, back to the text here. Uh, here are some things that I think would be good to be read. And uh, we'll put these in the bulletin next week if we have some space. J.B. Phillips uh, writing about, your God is too small. Your God is too small. C.S. Lewis, mere Christianity. Uh, A.W. Tozer, the attributes of God or knowledge of the holy. J.A. Packer, knowing God. These are things, these are things that will put good applied information into our thought processes and help us understand more about the character of God. Something to know and understand. I know and understand that God is with me. I believe that he's with me, that he wants to use my life, connect me to people, experiences, places, to grow my life that I might serve him and be a blessing to the people whose paths I cross. And I do things like pray that I'd have the eyes to see what's going on. Many a time I've had chats with people who just didn't know what was going on. And it wasn't because they were stupid, dumb, or anything like that. It's they hadn't just stopped to look and ask God, what's going on here? What's the meaning of this? Like Moses stopped and went aside to the bush. Father God, thank you for spreading the testimony of Moses on the holy pages of Scripture, for letting us journey through life in what you did with him and who you were to him. We want to be people who 
recognize the burning bushes you set in our life, whether it's music or friend or an idea or reading a scripture, whatever the bush is, that we would recognize your hand and deepen our walk with you so that we can grow and mature and be of use in your kingdom. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.